How have we gotten to a place as a nation where killing a baby in the womb is considered just another form of health care? Well, it turns out it wasn't accidental. There was an abortion industry strategy for getting us to that point. And today we have a very special guest with us, Terry Beatley, who is going to explain that strategy and how we still have hope as a nation to turn it around. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our guest and author, Terry Beatley. Terry, thanks for joining us again today. Last week, we had the wonderful honor of hearing your incredible story about interviewing Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who is considered the father of the abortion industry. You had the chance to speak with him toward the end of his life when he was deeply regretting the role he had in really just opening up the floodgates to abortion in this country. And today you're back with us, and I'm glad to share some key information he gave you that he trusted you with about inside strategies the abortion industry used and still uses today to normalize and promote abortion on a large scale. Uh, but before we get into all that, I think we should start out on just a little bit of a lighter note before we get into all these heavy topics. Now, you said you homeschooled your kids, and I know there's a lot of parents listening to us who are, maybe they're new to homeschooling because we've seen a 48% jump in homeschooling right here in Virginia. And so do you have any fun parent survival tips for new homeschoolers? <laughs> I do, I do. And when we were talking the other day and you shared about the 48%, I had no idea it had jumped nearly you know, 50%. So my first tip is never give up. Try, give yourself grace, you know, to make lots of mistakes and never ever quit. So don't be afraid to think out of the box and experiment a little bit, right? Absolutely. Like just... Absolutely. I think so many people who, number one, mothers, usually the mothers doing the homeschooling, but they think, oh, I could never homeschool. Yes, you can. And at least give it a good hard try. That's really encouraging, Terry. I think those are really good tips. Thanks for sharing that. And let's just get right into today's topic. Last week, you shared with us how God led you to interview Dr. Bernard Nathanson, co-founder of one of the nation's largest pro-abortion groups, which is now known as NARA Pro-Choice America. And he had also actually been involved in training Planned Parenthood's abortion doctors. And you spoke to him toward the end of his life when he had been diagnosed with a terminal form of cancer. And he expressed how he was regretting his role in the promotion of the culture of death through the abortion industry. So what I'd love for you to do today is just um, tell us how that led to a conversation about this very purposeful strategy that the abortion industry is still using to this day to really just propagate the lie that killing babies is a form of health care. Yeah, well, it started with the last question I asked Dr. Nathanson was if he had a message for America, if he would tell me what it is, I promised him I would deliver it across our country. And the first part of his answer was, yes, continue teaching the strategy of how I deceived America. And so it's an eight-point strategy, and it's, there are eight points that some people are already going to know. There are other points that they might be aware of the point, the part of the tactic, but they might not realize that, wait a minute, this was actually masterminded sitting with a public relations firm in New York City back in 1968-69. Well, we might not be able to get to every point today, but we're going to do our best to get through as many as possible because this is really important. So let's just start with the first point, and that is 
to convince Americans that this is all about choice. Well, Americans love choices. Just think about this. When you walk into the grocery store and you go to buy, say, I don't know, orange juice, uh, there's orange juice with pulp, without pulp, calcium, potassium, you name it. There are like 85 different types of orange juice. Choice is a very positive word. And they never answered, well, the choice to do what? Okay. And so the first tactic was to commandeer the language. And the other thing is uh, the, the public relations firm that NARAL hired, they said, you know, you have to have all these things in place. And the first people out of the gate with the argument normally can win the argument because they've already premeditated all of the answers to that argument. So number one, they framed the debate and they framed it around choice, a very positive thing. They picked it up from there. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of the popular slogans that kind of play into that whole idea of choice. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, for the uh, the cost of $7,500, the, the public relations firm uh, sat with Dr. Nathanson, Lawrence Later, and a team of other people at NARAL, and they drummed up a lot of these slogans. Um, some are still in force today. My body, my choice, every baby a wanted baby, uh, abortion's a personal decision, things like that. But what's not talked about is that there's a choice of killing involved, right? Because Right. The if way... they had gotten, what I say in my public speaking normally is that if they had tried to get out of the box that it's a woman's right to choose to kill her baby, yeah. they would never have gotten to first base. I think this is very important. So they commandeered the language. They wanted to, um, everything they did, it was to make you feel good. It was to tap into your empathy. Yeah. And I think one thing that ties right into this whole thing is another uh, one of these points, and that's the whole plan of using false statistics. Tell us how that worked. Um, how are those false stats that they were using purposefully, how are some of those still getting traction today? Yeah, I remember when I discussed this with him and then I read more in some of his books. Uh, it, I was just shocked that, of the audacity uh, of the lies. And so what would he say? He would tell the American uh, public via the reporters that 60% of Americans want abortion on demand legalized. 60%. Why would he choose that number? And that's what I asked him. Where did you get 60%? He said, Terry, I had to pull it out of thin air because the public relations firm said, if we're going to start a revolution, we need to be able to quote stats over 50%. The real number of Americans who wanted abortion on demand legalized back in the late 60s, early 70s was one-tenth of one percent. But he would tell the public 60 percent. Shocking. The other key numbers, and these are really, really important, so if you're taking notes on anything, take notes on this one. He would tell the reporters that, look, we have an epidemic on our hands. There are one million women a year are having back alley abortions. One million. The real number was around 98,000. He would also tell the reporters, that 5,000 to 10,000 women a year are dying due to complications of illegal abortions. The real numbers on the high side were 200 to 250. On the low side, single digits are in the 20s. The lies were absolutely audacious. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in if you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. You know, another key tactic that you mentioned that Dr. Nathanson explained to you was this whole idea of justifying something that was previously considered criminal. You know, I think it's funny because we're almost numb to this idea that abortion is celebrated now in our country. 
but actually it's it has a pretty short history of being considered ethical right that's right so what dr nathanson he would justify legalizing abortion and the reason is he would tell the reporters that look women are going to do it anyway whether it's legal or illegal women are still going to have abortions and keep in mind you know he, he would say a million abortions per year when the real number was around 98,000 but we all know that when you legalize something the demand for it is going to go up which is exactly what happened mm-hmm. we I mean after Roe v Wade in a short number of years we literally shot up from 98,000 illegal abortions to topping at 1.5 just a short number of years later. So if you legalize something, it increases the demand because number one, it's legal. Number two, intuitively, people think, well, it must be okay because it's legal. Well, one thing that's interesting about that, this whole aspect of creating a demand, is it helps you realize this isn't just a moral argument. I mean, there is a monetary aspect, a vested business interest behind all this promotion well it's all about follow the money trail you know follow the money trail we've all heard that so if you put the math to it if there let's just say 950,000 abortions at the tune of $250 per abortion you're looking at a 237 million dollar industry that's not going down without a fight and that's just the tip of the iceberg this is before they begin selling the baby body parts and that whole trickle down effect of this industry well one thing I also want to make sure we get to today um, is this part of the strategy that he told you about that involved specifically targeting people of faith. Essentially, it was a plan to deceive people in the church on the issue of abortion. Now, it's interesting. They had a whole strategy just aimed at the faith side of things. Nabral very quickly recognized that they had a, they needed a political victory. And keep in mind, they were based up in New York. And what does New York have? Lots and lots of Catholics. And they had already flipped the New York law uh, from protecting babies in the womb to making New York the most aggressive pro-abortion state. And they were so afraid of what the Catholic Church was going to do with their newfound victory. So they developed what was called the Catholic Strategy. It was a way to get more and more Catholics um, to support pro-abortion political candidates. Now, don't think that it only affected Catholics. That Once you understand all the details of the Catholic Strategy, it affected millions of um, Protestant voters as well. Well, just share with us one or two parts of that Catholic strategy so we understand how they were trying to deceive people of faith. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Again, they needed a point man of opposition. And so they realized they couldn't go after all of the uh, Catholic Church. So they went after the bishop. So they made the bishops the point man of opposition. So anytime a woman died or uh, of a complications of an illegal abortion, they would blame the bishops, the Catholic priests. It's all their fault. They don't understand women or motherhood and all this. It would, they played the blame game. The other thing they would do is they would emphasize any Catholic Uh, um, politician who had softened his or her position on abortion, you would have thought, it didn't matter, Democrat, Republican, Independent, as long as they they were Catholic, if they were a politician weakening their position, NARAL would get behind them. And then the straddle. And the straddle was uh, letting a pro-life Catholic understand that they could remain personally against abortion, but believe that every woman deserves the right to choose and that it's just a decision between a woman and her doctor. Mm-hmm. So Mr. and Mrs. Catholic, and this is what trickled down to the non-Catholic world as well. You have plenty of Christians who are still voting for pro-abortion candidates. 
even though they're not for abortion, but what they don't realize is back in the late 1960s, it was NARAL straddle, straddling the fence, being personally against abortion, but casting a vote for a pro-abortion candidate. So it was a four-part tactical plan that they called the Catholic strategy that ended up affecting millions of people. Um, but if you're listening to this today and you're not a Catholic, the whole big picture here is that there is a strategy to deceive believers and it's spiritual. You're exactly right, Candy. And our goal at Jose Initiative is to make sure as many, particularly Christians across our country, understand what NARAL did with this eight point strategy. As we wrap up today, I just want to mention that if you're hearing this and you're really wanting to get your hands on this information so you can share it with others, especially this eight point strategy, you can access all of that through Terry's book called What If We've Been Wrong? Keeping My Promise to America's Abortion King by Terry Beatley. And Terry, tell us again, uh, where can they get that book on your website? Yeah, you can get the book at abortionking.com. That's abortionking.com. And let's also tell them how to join this new series you've got called Tuesdays with Terry. Uh, yes, you can join our Tuesday with Terry talks. That's every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can pick up the live link at our website, which is hosea4u.org. So that's H-O-S-E-A, the number four, Y-O-U.org. It's a live presentation on different aspects of the eight-point strategy and everything that America needs to know about the legacy of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. If you want to do something tangible to speak up for unborn babies in Virginia, especially when you've heard all the deception that's been going on for years, you can be a part of visually standing up for God's love for life in our state. You can do that by being a part of the third annual Virginia March for Life. That's happening Friday, September 17th. It's just a few weeks away, so definitely mark your calendars. And there are many different ways you can get involved, including bringing a church, van, or bus from your neighborhood. So if you want to learn how to do that, just visit our website at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. And click on the Virginia March for Life banner. And we'll see you there September 17th. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.